All right. Uh, We're doing it live. You can't hear the uh, soccer game, can you? No. Good. Um, Sorry for the uh, the confusion, Joe. <laughs> yeah, Joe's here. <laughs> I'm not. Well, I thought I thought when you asked if you wanted to watch the Lions game, you meant like, we'll just hang out on the Zoom thing. Yeah, usually when Joe's like, hey, do you guys want to hang out? Jack's like, yeah, I'll fire up the computer. <laughs> yeah, well... Do you want to watch the game after Jack says yes, which to most people means everyone's going to be in the same room. We're going to hang. <laughs> Jack just figured FaceTime will do. <laughs> I just figured like in my mind, we were going to be already on the Zoom thing. I thought we were doing this all remote. So I uh, was just like, yeah, we can hang out after we record. And just- yeah, you're like, sure, Joe. Yeah, I'll stay on, I guess. <laughs> virtually, virtually, <laughs> virtually watch the Lions game. <laughs> I think the recording only lasts two hours, but I'll stick around for the last 25 minutes. <laughs> yeah, sure, my, Joe. So my apologies. Whatever, whatever gets you to shut up. I like the, the – Jack, did you send the link? Wait, what link? I'm at Adam's house. <laughs> well, that's why, I, what, that's why I was very confused when everyone just glossed over my will there be bagels text. No <laughs> response. And Jack both went, well, I mean, you can have bagels if you want. I'll get bagel. I only started getting nervous uh, when you guys kept saying, did you get the link I sent you? And I'm like, why are they texting each other when they are in the same room? <laughs> uh, oh, at first I was like, oh, that's nice. They're like keeping me in the loop. <laughs> hey, Joe, you know what is impressive, though? First time you've ever been the first one here for the pod. Hey. Take that, Jack. I'm done. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> Oh, Trevor Lawrence is playing. Nice. Oh, good. That's good for everyone who's radio, in radio, the playoffs. Radio for one. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Jack. Well, we have we've been uh, we took one week off. We apologize, Doug, uh, but I'm sure he's been very interested to hear how how said death match went. Yeah, edge of his seat, uh, just like we have been last week. Yeah. So, who died <laughs> um, and what cause? And how long well, did this mean, match last? That's that's and, what I was and just going to say. Do you have any injuries? No, um, surprisingly. No. <laughs> um, well, first off, unscathed. God, uh, beep, Mister Beep. God was it Beep. God was there. <laughs> Mister Beep should have. Uh, that makes sense. Death he match. Said, he said that we should have uh, worn like luchador, like luchador outfits before we played. That would have been a good idea. And, yeah, I, I don't know how we didn't even think of that. But it, the match itself lasted, it couldn't have been longer than a half hour. Maybe uh, 25, 30 minutes. Well, I mean, how often is a wrestling match on like actual wrestling longer yeah, than Yeah, that's 20 true. Minutes? It might, it also, might have, death can ensue at any time. Yeah, exactly. I'm surprised it wasn't 30 seconds. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it'd be, it would have been different if there was like three matches to get through. Like the the events of it were really cool. Like so the, were you booing uh, when it was over at like a half hour? Oh no, we were we were cheering these guys. We want more death. Kill so think, more people. I think the craziest thing that happened was you know those wood skewers that you put like kind of like a shish kebab skewer. Oh yeah. He uh, uh, one of the guys like grabbed the other guy by his hair and pulled his head back and then put those skewers on his head and started smacking him into his head. Nice wood. Yeah, wood skewers and Couple there's splinters. a. Uh, oh, people won't be able to see this, but there's a there's a video of him 
with one. I zoomed in on it sticking out of his head. <laughs> oh, wow, my God. Is in there. <laughs> wow. We'll tweet that out. <laughs> All right. So wait, can, can you just go through the night for us? So you guys played first, right? No, we put so there was three bands. Well, I mean, you, um, the music happened first. Yeah, so there was music, and then um, I was as soon as nice. <laughs> beautiful uh, venue, it was actually a pretty cool bar. Um, but the music they happened. Swing dancing first. Yeah, and the bands played. Well, when I first got there, there was absolutely nobody inside, and I was like, "Huh, it's gonna be a very interesting night." And uh, death match for an audience of two. <laughs> yeah, but I mean. At, at, before even the music started, it, it kind of filled out. There was a decent amount of people in there. Um, so the music happened. And then after our band finished, we were just trying to like get our stuff off stage real quick. And you um, knew death was about to ensue. <laughs> yeah, we knew, we knew death was about to ensue. And uh, the guy who put the thing on, he goes, hey, we don't have any like intro music for these guys. Can you just play some like heavy riffs before like as an intro for them to walk out to? We're like... Me and my me and my buddy Anthony were just like we are not prepared for this at all. We don't know what to play. Well, it sounds like neither were they. <laughs> so we just play. Ended up playing like heavier parts, intro? heavier parts of like things in our songs. So while they came out, we just played them like on repeat, like four times through. Should have just played like and, uh, Hall and Oates. <laughs> <laughs> Did you, you have to do? <laughs> <laughs> He's a rich girl. But, so after. <laughs> <laughs> after the after the introduction and they did you came did out, you have like, to did you have to like say their names too no the the dude putting it on had a mic and he was oh, doing okay. all that we just did like heavy music behind it and um i was like i wanted or really wanted to get my stuff like kind of off the stage because i didn't know what was going to happen but <laughs> yeah rightfully so we we introduced them with our music and whatnot and then they uh like it was just like on they started wrestling and I'm still on the stage. I just ran off like side stage and just booked it around. I kept my guitar in my hand. I was like, I'm, I'm out of here. What, were there more people there um, after the bands or did people stay for the, for the death? No, it was, it was about the same amount of people through some, maybe a little bit of more people came up like towards the end of like the music happening. But now uh, the people that were at the show, did you recognize them or were they mostly there for the death match? I think they were, a little bit of both. Okay. I, I didn't recognize a lot of people except for like the friends that come to ours, like our shows and stuff. How but, many <clears throat> how many people in there do you think were surprised to see that there was gonna be a death match that <laughs> I honestly think everybody was there there was for the death match. So typical clientele decided tonight tonight's not the night to show up. I feel like <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. We'll take dinner elsewhere tonight. I feel like everyone there Friday, was like death matches on Fridays. I forgot. <laughs> no perch dinner tonight. <laughs> Dude, that place was expensive, though. Yeah, it's Labatt, not like uh, a place where you would expect a deathmatch or a punk Labatt show. Uh, Labatt Blue Lights were six bucks. Well, that's a ripoff. Uh, yeah. yeah, that sucks. It's like I paid little seasons. I paid eight fifty for a sixteen ounce Modelo at the Crowfoot. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty rough. Yeah, it's bad. They they yeah. don't give you any like comps for being. Uh, the intro music? No, they don't really care. They just want the bar money. <laughs> did you get? Did they give you a, like a water? <laughs> no, water was two bucks. <laughs> the water Wait, out I, of their I, the, the water out of their like 
guns thing, like the water they the shoot stuff out of. Yeah, yeah, tap water. They, yeah, they didn't have that allowed. Like they like had none. Well, because they wanted to charge you two dollars for a bottle of water. <laughs> so that we had to, yeah, we had two That's bottles, two dollar bottles of water. Well, so exactly what we thought last week is true. This place is just hurting for money. <laughs> <laughs> They'll literally host anything. Yeah, apparently, and charge money for anything. Yeah. <laughs> are, you, are you going one or two? Excuse, uh, excuse me, I dropped we'll, my fork. We'll find out. Are you going one or two? <laughs> I dropped my fork. Can I get another? That'll be twenty-five cents. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, it's twenty-five because he had to pick it up off the ground to give it back to you. <laughs> oh, it's fifty now. If you want yeah. another fork. <laughs> the events of the death match were pretty cool, though. It uh. Didn't end in as much death as I thought it would have, but wait. So did he adapt? Yeah, well, you pinned him. Oh, you uh, said there was no pinning. Yeah, I thought there was no pinning. I thought you played till death. No, you know fly- what? When I read the flyer, it said no ring, no rules. Oh, I but guess apparently- no rules does mean you can pin someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, this place just doesn't know how to market a death match. That's the issue. <laughs> No. Will will you be playing any more Deathmasters in the future? Oh, I would absolutely do it again. Did did you get to talk to uh the wrestlers? A little bit, like here and there. They were uh the one guy was really cool. He was from Buffalo. With the skewer was, in his uh, head? No, the other guy. I just imagine they were talking to you, he still had the skewer in his head. <laughs> <laughs> I don't remember if he said he was from Buffalo, if he was just there, but he was there during their like seventy six inch snowstorm. He's either from Buffalo or he's been there once. <laughs> I mean, after a couple death matches, it's hard to remember things, I'm sure. <laughs> I wonder, do these two, these same two guys, like, fight each other every wrestling match they're in? Well, it's like a, it's like this, I, I can't remember what the company is called, but it's like a Detroit underground wrestling thing that, like, deals with a bunch of wrestlers from out of state, from Michigan, like a lot of local underground wrestling. I wonder if it's the one but that uh, they all kind of know each other within the networking. Thing. Yeah, we got sent a flyer at the radio station that they wanted us to promote this wrestling show, and it was a excuse me, it was a charity show, and Darren McCarty was the host. Okay. Worst looking flyer I've ever seen. Just a like chaos of. Colors I think I saw that logo. flyer, uh, and I swear, uh, Machete guy had to be on that flyer. <laughs> you think this is like his, his passion or his day job? Uh, they they oh, really <laughs> <laughs> probably both. I got a match tonight, honey. I will be home late. <laughs> I prep the shower. There's gonna be a lot of blood. <laughs> I I might have a skewer in my head when I get I'm home. Bringing, no, I'm bringing up the skewer tonight. <laughs> there was Another a death match. There was a part where you put like you know those like tire popping things. Like the it looked like looked like that's what that was. But he put like it on his police use to yeah, stop? like the yeah, like, like the a strip? things. Yeah, spike strip. Maybe it wasn't that, but it was Nailed something it. something metal and spiky. And he put it on the dude's back and then hit him with a metal chair like into his back. Sweet. It was oh, like a little acupuncture. Yeah, <laughs> like really, it, it, they were just going for carnage. I don't think he. Uh, I don't think he liked the feeling though. He was screaming like crazy. Well, you got to play into it. <laughs> That's true. I don't know. A lot of these things look like they were actually in some pain for. Well, you know, they don't have the budget to do fake things. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. And you got to make it seem real. <laughs> so long story short, good match. Although yeah. on the on the shorter side, 
Jack would have liked an extended match. Might, might have been cool, but if they were talking out back and they were saying that like outdoor matches are much better because you can add things like glass and let like a little bit of more, <laughs> little bit of more things fly. Because I don't know. I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be mean. That's the second time so far in this episode you said a little bit of more. <laughs> <laughs> a, li- a little bit of more. So, do is there anything else to talk about in the intro? How greased? Do you, are you a euchre player? Do you play euchre in mm-hmm. your day? In my how, day, I have. How greasy is stealing the deal? Oh, I think it's. I've been on both ends, and when you do steal it, I'm all for it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think. Right. I think it it has it's on the other person. They have to know it's their deal. Thank you. Yep. So, so it's part of it's, the game, right? So if the people yeah, that you stole sure. the if the people you stole the deal from aren't paying attention, it's completely their fault and you're not greasy. Like last week's guest? Yeah. No, I would say it's not greasy, but I think you can call them out while they're dealing and take it back. Oh, for sure. Well, yeah, it's only of course. it's only stolen once everyone looked at their cards. Exactly. So you can but if you're uh sleeping on the job. So suck on that one, Rents. You can yeah. steal it. Leaving that in there just so Rens can hear that. <laughs> Good. No, I think it's I think it's a lot. What's your stance, Jack? I'm all about it. Same as you. It's part of the game. I mean, me and Jack are partners. The deal's getting stolen. Oh yeah. <laughs> the, well, I only say that too because me and Adam played all throughout his bachelor party, and we stole deal every time. Yeah, with, <laughs> against Brad <laughs> and your brother. <laughs> Steve's very easy to steal the deal from, especially after a couple beers. Because oh yeah, he just stopped paying attention. He yeah, might no. just be he might just be falling asleep in the chair the whole time too. <laughs> that might have been one of his deals. <laughs> I stole his hand one time and just <laughs> took out the best card. Steve, what do you got there? Let's switch. <laughs> Give me if you got an ace, I'll take it. <laughs> you got any jacks? All right, it's Donnie Brook, episode sixteen. Let's get into it. Welcome back to Old Time Hockey. Two guys in the four punches, and they're doing exactly the holies, jumping. Folks, this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. They are on their feet here at Joe Lewis Arena. It's Donnybrook, episode 16. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and and Twitter at it's a Donnybrook. And then wherever you get your podcast, you can listen, give us a, uh, a like, a listen, a follow and a review and uh, tell us how you like it and share with your friends, please. We need more people listening. Yeah. Looking at you, Doug, at least two other people <laughs> listening. would be Please. Great. That's double the amount. That's huge. Yeah. If, just give us like one gift this year. We'd like to get to a point where we could tell our family they can stop listening. Cause right now that's building up all the listens. Yeah. No, I'd <laughs> yell at my sister the other day just cause she's not listening anymore. And I, we can easily tell. You know what we should do? We should start throwing in jabs at the people we know are supposed to be listening. And every time they don't say anything about it, we know they haven't listened. Yeah, and then we <laughs> ridicule them. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> we drag their names in the mud. All right. We got a lot of news and notes to go over after being a little over a week since our last pod. So, Jack, five minutes on the clock. Let's see if we can get through it in five minutes this time. All right. Give me a... Uh... Give me, give me five minutes to get this thing started here. <laughs> All right. Timer. Stopwatch. Ready. Ready. Set. And 
Go. It's coming off. It's coming off, boys. It's going off right now. I'm done with this facial hair. It's gross. So, yeah, yeah, it's coming off. It's going off. Mitch Marner, after his 21-game point streak ended this week, you know, just 30 games shy of Gretzky's all-time record. I know. That's still insane. I mean, both are insane. Marner was unbelievable on that stretch. He's been so good. But you know what else was unbelievable? was how bad that facial hair was. (laughs) A lot of peach fuzz, and he was clearly over it, too, because it was the extension of... uh, no shave November into the streak. And he finally got the shave. He told the reporters yeah, that's it. It's gross. It's coming off. Uh, so Mitch Marner's streak ends at 21. What was his points during that streak? Do you know offhand? Uh, I don't. I think it was like 28. It was close to 30. Uh, elsewhere, talking about putting up points. For Jack Mantha, centers in front. Who's next up? Have a shot. And there it is. 800. Here come the hats and the team. <laughs> you have just witnessed the 800th goal for Alex Ovechkin. Only the third player. In- All right, third player in history to hit 800 goals, Alex Ovechkin. Uh, it was a hat trick against the Blackhawks at the United Center on Tuesday. Um, his third was the 800th goal, just one goal away from Gordie Howe now. He hasn't gotten it over the last two nights, but he's also just 94 behind Wayne Gretzky. We know Ovi's amazing. It could be the greatest goal scorer of all time. How many does he end up with? Oh, he's beaten Gretzky. I I just spilled coffee all over myself. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's uh, it better be the only the first cup. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not allowed two cups for me today. Um, I'm gonna. Go, I think he gets over at 900 for sure. I think I, I could see him at like the nine thirty range. Well, what is he at already? I think he has. He's on pace for like fifty three. So he's got twenty already, and he's only played thirty some games. So he's going to hit fifty again. And he's ninety four behind Gretzky, which means early next season he breaks Gretzky's record. And he's going to play for at least another three four years. You think? Do you think he plays after he breaks it? Yeah. Well, I still think he finishes. Uh, in the KHL, he might. Yeah, I mean, he probably will. But even Datsuk's still playing in the KHL now. Well, he's not this year. Oh, this was he the first sign, year. Yeah. Um, but even like Yager's still playing. I know it's like KHL, but he's still playing. So that he'll just be able to play, like in his forties in the KHL. I put a number on it. What's his final total in the NHL? The what's the record again for Gretzky? Eight ninety four. Eight ninety four. Yeah, then he's hitting. I, I'll say uh, nine twelve. Jack, eight seventy five. Oh, so he doesn't get there. Nope. <laughs> so he scores less. So he's going to score less than seventy five goals over the so next. He four needs. Years. He needs. I so love at, Jack's predictions always. They're my favorite. <laughs> at the end of this, at the end of the season, he he'll have what eight eight fifteen eight sixteen. No, he might have like eight thirty. Yeah. At he's the already, pace he's on right now, he he'll have like around eight twenty five to eight thirty. So then he'll need. So then he'll need two more seasons at thirty goals. Right, he's gonna play like three or four more. And they already said uh, the GM of the Capitals already said that they will never they will not rebuild with Ovi on the roster. Well, I was just trying to be devil's advocate and be the guy that says he's not going to do it, but he's going to do it. All right, you said he won't do it, so it's already say, in the book. We're running out of five minutes. Shut up. 
I'll say I'll say nine oh five. Nick Backstrom, speaking of the caps, uh no no longer sporting the non-contact jersey. That'd be a huge addition to this roster. Um gives him a little more depth, someone that can play a two-way game and can win face-offs. That'd be huge for the Caps. And then how about this one? Torts being torts. With the Flyers struggling to score goals and win games, John Tortorella decided the best way to boost his offense was to make his leading scorer a healthy scratch in Kevin Hayes. That's my boy. Yeah, Jack, more and more your prediction is uh, coming <laughs> to light. And uh, I take back all the laughs. that <laughs> When you said he would straight out leave, he might. Jack, one and done, one and done in Philly for Torts. One season and done. He won't even make it a whole season. Yeah, I love, I love the that was maybe the best prediction of all time. <laughs> Again, we love Jack's predictions. Oh, my Shane Wright uh, prediction is pretty right too. Uh, also, the, they're scoring. Uh, they <laughs> their defense got worse in that game that he sat, and uh, they lost six to three. So, good move. They scored three. <laughs> all right, that's five. Uh, Right in the nads, Blake Wheeler blocked a shot and is downstairs. Uh, somehow finished the game, but he will now have surgery and miss a month. Ooh. What? A dick. Okay. Also, Blake Wheeler stopped doing this. In 2017, he also blocked a shot with his nuts and was out for like a week. <laughs> yeah, but now he's out for four to six weeks. What do you pop a nut? Well, I mean, he blocked a slap shot with his wiener. Oh. Well, there's. Remember the playoff run that one year when Lindstrom did the same thing and. Yeah. He was played all throughout uh, the rest of the playoffs. That's incredible. Uh, twenty six points in the last tw- twenty six points in twenty nine games this year. That's a big blow to this Jets team, who also have lost Nate Schmidt four to six weeks uh, to an injury, and they they sit second in the Central. A big turnaround for a team that a lot of people thought might win a cup last year. They're looking pretty good. However, this is a big blow to them and missed the playoffs last year. So, I mean, I don't. I don't know if there is a more uh, a team in the NHL more confusing than them. Yeah, doesn't make any sense. I always every time I think they're going to be good, they stink, and vice versa. Uh, some reinforcements on the way in Motown. Red Wings currently sit five points back of a wild card spot in the East, with two games in hand on Florida, the Islanders, and they have three games in hand on the Caps. Also, two games in hand on the Rangers. Uh, Larkin, Heronic, and Mata all returned to action Saturday afternoon. And Jacob Verana out of the player assistance program and Robbie Fabry, both in non-contact jerseys, believed to be close. That'd be a big addition for this team who's kind of scuffling with all the injuries. Yeah, two, six, and two in their last 10. Uh, I think their last good game they played was that Tampa game on the road. And that injury is really mounted. Yeah, and now they're below uh, goal differential by nine goals. Huso's coming back down to earth a little where you can't he's not stealing games like he used to which makes sense well but also this team is a little bit depleted here so being healthy again i think at the right time because had this gone on any longer injuries were going to derail this season for the wings for sure and they they need these guys back soon because this next stretch coming up is you're playing a hot caps team who seven two and one their last 10 and then you got and then you got a hot tampa team coming in uh, which probably is looking for revenge from losing uh, at home to us. A couple quick notes just to end this. Uh, the Kings ink Trevor Moore. They signed him to an extension. Five years, $4.2 million. Feels like an overpayment. It does, but his stats are pretty solid. I mean, for... I mean, $4.2 million is not bad for a middle six forward, but I don't think he's a guy that can really play up in the lineup. Well, right now, he's 
Is he center two? I think he's on yeah, there. I think so, but I don't know that. I, and I guess 4.2 million is not a lot. It just, you hear that name and most people around hockey would go who? And he's making 4.2 for the next five years. Maybe it's the term. If this had been three years, it'd be different. Uh, oh, he plays right wing on the second line. He has 27. So what, it, it was a five-year deal? Yeah, it's going to be 32. What's he got this year? Right now, he's got 18 points in 34 games, seven goals. It's a weird deal. Yeah, it is strange. Um, I mean, we don't need to spend too much time on it. I just saw it. It is only like like a two. It's a two million dollar raise, which that's a big raise for a guy you didn't expect. I wouldn't expect the guy to make more than like three five. Yeah. So it is what it is. And then uh, just to end this, a reminder: the NHL freeze will kick in Monday, so no trades through the holidays. And with that, we'll take a quick break. We'll come back with the weekend review and go over a few things, including possible trades and changes to the NHL regular season. All right, we're back. How about the week in review? The cap is expected to go up by only $1 million as opposed to what we originally thought would be a lot more than that. And we're leading towards the salary cap discussion here. Uh, Might not happen, though, by the end of the season. And Bettman drawing a bit of a hard line on which way this will go. Yeah, and it's interesting. It was only six weeks ago at the one-day Board of Governors meeting in New York that we were at where Gary Bettman made news by saying, you know what, it's possible that they'll pay off that debt and that the cap will jump uh, by more than $4 million uh, this summer. But now it's like it doesn't look like the revenues will meet that threshold. And in fact, the cap will probably just go up $1 million, is what Gary Bettman clarified today, while allowing that the revenues could surprise them. And you can have- so essentially what Pierre LeBrun's talking about there is the, the NHL players have to pay off their escrow uh, at whatever, how many hundreds of millions of dollars it was. And it's it's they're depleting that quickly. But before the cap can rise significantly, they have to pay that off. And originally, Bettman had said he thought it might be paid off by the end of this season and they could jump the cap by $4 million. You heard right there. Sounds like it'll be a million. It hurts a lot of teams around this league. I was just going to say teams. That. Go ahead, Jack. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say it sounds like it's going to hurt a lot of these people because you think that maybe they made some of these signings thinking that it would go up more than at least a million. Well, especially when you're, when you're now – also, news there: thirty years on the job, Gary Bettman. That's pretty crazy. Uh, but when your when your league commissioner says something in the public and comes out kind of with some conviction, saying he thinks the cap will go up and they'll pay it off, and then you get to the point where it's only one million, I think this is going to be a culmination of the last five years of overpayments in the NHL, and these teams are going to start getting bit by this even more than they already have. Well, just looking at cap friendly right now, there's twenty teams of 32 that are within a million or over the cap as it is right now. And now a lot of that has to do with injuries and um, long-term IR, but those all are hitting at, at the beginning of the season, correct? So you have to be under, or these guys still have to be hurt by then. Right. That was all established early in the season. 16 teams have some kind of LTIR going on, which is millions of dollars. Yeah. Look at Washington has nine guys on it right now. Look at Flyers cap space. Protecting cap space is zero. 
<laughs> There's a lot of those teams. I mean, if you look at some of the long, the big LTIR teams, um, the Leafs have 6.35 million. The Hurricanes have 6.8. Yeah, but those the are Blue teams Jackets with, have 9.25 million on the LTIR. Those are all teams uh, with good players. The Flyers stink. And well, so do the Columbus Blue Jackets, and they have the most LTIR. Yeah, but they got Johnny Gaudreau at least. Like, who is Philly what has that gotten in this year, Nick? What exactly yeah, has true. Johnny Gaudreau gotten them? <laughs> Not very much. Besides getting crushed nine to three by the by the uh, <laughs> Sabers and letting a guy score five, but he he went there to win games. Yeah, no, he went there to be not noticed. We've talked about this. Uh, can we talk about? Is that maybe one of the worst decisions in a while in the NHL? I still, uh, I still don't get why he did it. Um, or also, I don't think you could be getting worse goaltending than they are this year. That's true. Elvis has been. I mean. He he's he went back to what he was before last year's big season, um, but he must have went there to not be in the spotlight. Correct? Absolutely. Like, that's that's just, the only reason I can think of. But it's still a strange team because he probably wouldn't have been in the spotlight if he goes to like Jersey or Philly. Uh, being a guy from the East Coast, I don't know the Philly media. I don't know. And are they? I mean, they probably score more goals with Johnny Gaudreau. Would he be benched already if he played for Philly? A handful of games already. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, right quick, um, right quick. Uh, there are three teams. There are three teams that this does help um, because right now they all three of these teams have over twenty eight million in cap space, um, which is insane. And that's the Ducks, the Sabers, over and, twenty million in cap space, or in twenty million. Yeah, sorry. Um, so those teams will continue to weaponize the cap as the coyotes have been doing, just taking bad contracts and like the wings did the last few years. Yeah. And I would even say Chicago to an extent. Yeah. They're a little bit, um, further, but they got two big contracts coming off the books at the end of the year being Taves and Kane. So that's 20 millions in in itself, right? Don't they both make 10? Yeah, but they're going to have to eat something to move those guys. Well, no, they're done after the year. I'm saying, Oh yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Yep, so they're, they're 20 million off the books right away. Uh, no playoff expansion on the horizon, which I'm happy about. Let's just get to the audio. You took your annual stab at changing the playoff format, Pierre, but uh, Mr. Bettman was having nothing of it. No play in anytime soon, if no, he has his say. And let's be clear this is not my dream or my scenario. <laughs> I, I, I canvassed a dozen governors here this week. It was 12 nothing in favor of wanting a play-in. Now, none of them want to go on the record because they don't want to get in trouble with the commissioner. <laughs> but the reality is, you know, Gary Bettman saying that the feedback he's getting doesn't translate into interest in a play-in, that, that's not true. I'm telling you right now, people want a play-in. The commissioner does not want it, and that's fine. That's why he's a commissioner. One thing stands out there. 12 of 12 GM surveyed said they want an expanded playoff. They want a play-in round. I hate the idea. I don't like it. Uh, and the fact that he just said, no, Bettman's lying. There's teams that actually want it. Well, the, if I'm playing devil's advocate, the the COVID year playoff was super fun and exciting, right? I loved um, the best of five series that uh, let teams in. And I get the argument that you don't want teams under 500 making it. Um, but... As it sits right now, this is the least percentage of the league that makes the playoffs that there's ever been in the NHL. Yeah, but because you have two more teams. Well, I'm just saying that 
percentage wise, I mean, there used to be when it was original six, four teams made it, and then eight of 16 would make it. So that's half the league right there. Um, and you, if you look at the NBA, the playing game has been working. Yeah, so that's the that's the model this is all built around is the NBA expanded playoff. But I just don't like the – I mean, you play a whole regular season for a team to be just outside for them to get a chance to be in and make a I, – I just like the I, – I think it's – so let's start this. Bettman's quote was, I think what we have now works. You're looking to solve a problem that doesn't exist. And I agree. Where's the problem? Where's the clamoring for the expanded playoff? No one's been complaining that, oh, this team was just on the outside looking in and they could have won the whole thing. No one ever says that. So where is the appetite for it? Uh, Apparently among GMs there is, but among fans, I don't see a clamoring for more teams making the playoffs. It's not like baseball when you're like, hey, that team won 100 games and they have to make a play in and then all of a sudden they lose right away. You know what I mean? It wouldn't be that. There'd be buys. But I will say that I, if they did ever add more teams, I would want it to be at least a best of three. Like, I don't yeah, like just one, one game. That, yeah. that seems kind of unfair, especially if you're the eighth seed and normally would have been able to You'd secure. You'd have been in anyway. Yeah, and, and as a um, GM or owner – you're securing at least two home games, yep. which makes uh, a ton of revenue. So, yeah, playoff games are huge for revenue. Exactly. So I, I think the 12, 12 of 12 voting for it is actually very shocking. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was very surprised by that. So, I mean, based on Bettman and I'm sure Bill Daly, it ain't happening. But who knows? Jack, is that your bird in the background? Yeah, did you hear that? Oh, yeah. Every time. Yeah, it sounds like someone's just getting beat up downstairs. <laughs> There's a death match in his basement. <laughs> Sorry, they needed a new venue. Practicing. <laughs> practicing. Yeah, sure. You guys can come over and practice anytime you want. <laughs> Basement's <small> always free. <laughs> How about season expansion? An 84-game season on the horizon? Another discussion that came out of the Board of Governors meetings in Florida was regular season expansion. The idea would be to go to an 84-game schedule allowing for more opportunities to play your rivals and further through the season. This argument comes from people being annoyed that this year, the Battle of Alberta is already over. They won't play each other again the rest of the year. And before Christmas, to have that happen kind of sucks. You want those games later in the year. They're division games. It's a rivalry game. And they mean something more later in the season. Could have a lot more impact. Uh, The breakdown would be four games versus each of the other seven teams in your division. Three games versus each other division in your conference and then two games games versus every other team in the other conference. So essentially you get more games against your division rivals. You get a couple more games against the other teams in your conference. And then it's the same. You still get your two games every year against the other conference. So, I mean, it's only, it's only two games. I'm not going to say that I'm vastly against it or, or for it doesn't make much of a difference to me. Couldn't this just be solved with, uh, better scheduling, expa- it, you know, spreading those games out a little bit more. My other thought here was, how come every couple years, every five years, we have to talk about the schedule and like how many times you play your rivals, how many times you play your division? It feels like we've done this every five years. Oh, now you play your division six times a year. Now you play your division twice a year. It, it seems like a never-ending battle, and it's almost a problem they keep making up. Exactly. I mean, for... Bettman to say that uh, we're solving a problem that isn't a problem with uh, 
playoff expansion, this seems to be the same thing. I mean, rivals, I'll give you the big ones like um, Toronto, Montreal will always be a rival, uh, the Battle of Alberta. But if you're looking like here, Chicago is a rival, but is it's not, not anymore. Not really anymore, no. Even it hasn't us been in the a while. Is not a rival. No. I think rivalries begin or start because you are playing in division or just playing teams that are – playoffs are really what – I was going to say, rivalries. meeting a team in the playoffs is what creates rivalries usually. Because you're playing like seven straight against uh, one team and they just – You build hate. Build hate, yeah. So I, I don't even think – would it be cool to see – but even with this, it's like we're not seeing Chicago more. So we're just seeing Toronto, Montreal your more. Di- it's your division. So, well, that's the other thing is like how, how many quote unquote rivalries are there still in the NHL? And how many of those are outside of divisions? You know what I mean? So does it really fix something? If you, What if your rival is like for the Wings, that rivalry with Chicago ended a long time ago because we used to be in the West. Now we're in the East. Now you don't see them anyway. So what's the difference? You know, that this doesn't change it, or help the Wings and the Blackhawks have a rivalry again. Yeah, and if you're thinking of like our biggest rival now, which might be Tampa, I don't know. But the only reason that is because we play them two straight years. Um, but you, we also you also have to have like two good teams going at it. I was yeah, just going to say because even fans probably are are not as upset about the Battle of Alberta this year because both teams are floundering right now. Um, but I don't. I don't see the point. But if it's only two games, it's also whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah two, not, two additional games. Not okay. a big difference, really. And what I do like, the one part I don't hate about that is, at least, at least it's only two games, and you can't be like, well, records are now all skewed because you added so many games. You're only adding two games. Whatever. I don't think it's a big deal. One thing I, I did like that they added this year um, was the bye week that they gave teams. Yeah. Uh, I think. If they did this, maybe adding two bye weeks would be pretty cool. Um, that only like kind of hurts fantasy, but uh, but the NHL doesn't care about that. Yeah, exactly. I do. <laughs> Speaking of, of a league that doesn't care about fantasy, how about uh, everyone's um, to make the playoffs last week? And they had bye weeks in the NFL still. Yeah, everyone. Had, <laughs> yeah, that's so ridiculous. It's like last it's, week to make the playoffs, and half the half teams are on bye. Bo Horvat on the move. The Canucks captain turned down uh, in his camp, turned down an offer tabled by the Canucks this week. Thirty-one points in thirty games, twenty-two goals already. Oh, what does a Horvat deal look like? It sounds like he's not going to sign in, in Vancouver, and they're willing to move him. What does the deal look like, and where's the best fit? Well, I even one up you. What what does his contract look like too? If you do get him, that's a big factor. Because um, if you look at what the Sens gave up for Debrinket, and you could say that Horvat's not as as uh, prolific scorer as him, but Horvat is a better all around player. I would say by far a better all around player. So Chicago got a first, second, and third, which seems low for. Debrinket for one, um, it kind of looks like an overpayment now, though. Yeah, that's true, but it can't be much more than that, right? Or around that, I think, because he's nowhere near like an Eichel deal. I don't think that deal. I don't think that deal helps the Vancouver Canucks. I think that hurts the Vancouver Canucks because of what Debrinket, how Debrinket hasn't performed. 
Wait, uh, you mean the Senators? No, I think that I think that deal hurts Vancouver in that in that maybe that was the kind of deal you could look at for Horvat until that deal happened, and now DeBrincat's not performing, and now it looks like an overpayment. So the Canucks are had that had DeBrincat been at twenty goals already this year and been on fire, you could probably look at it and go, Horvat's got twenty two already. It's got to be a similar deal to the DeBrincat uh, deal. I see what you're saying. You know, they're not going to get as much based on that deal not going so well. Yeah, it's it is crazy because you got like first rounders going for like um, the kid that uh, Dallas got uh, Lundquist, yeah, uh, and he got they got a first for him uh, in return. The Rangers did, um, and then you even and then you got like teams giving away firsts uh, to get rid of players now, uh, like the Monahan deal. So it's it is interesting. It's definitely a first. Um, would for two sure. seconds do it though? I I think you they have to get a first round pick. It's your captain. He's playing unbelievable. He's twenty seven. He plays a two way game. He's a centerman. It starts. I think it starts with a first round pick and a top tier prospect. All right. So if if this is a deal and he wants out, you're Vancouver. What are you doing with the rest of your roster now? You just signed J T. Miller to an outrageous deal for oh, yeah. eight million. Until uh, twenty twenty nine thirty. Well, I don't think they. I think they've said it. I don't think they want to tear down, rebuild. They they're going to try to retool and rebuild as much as humanly possible. But now there's rumors that uh, Brock is on the market. Yeah, but if you move two guys like that, you could get two pretty darn good packages in return for those guys that could help you quickly revamp this team now it's in lebron even it might have been lebron or friedman even talked about it they kind of want to change the makeup of this team without tearing it down you still have a lot of talent there they said the only untouchable is is elias Pettersson. yep but it would take a massive offer to get quinn hughes off that team so you at least have two maybe three with demko building blocks there you can still build around now jt miller deal it looks outrageous at this point but you're stuck with him so you kind of got to call him a building block because also no one's taking that deal at this point. And you got Demko for three more years after this year. So he's locked up. You got Quinn for four more years after this year. And then the same with Pedersen, I believe. Oh, no, Pedersen needs to be resigned. Yeah, they got to give him a deal. And it's going to be in a big two one. years. So I think if you if they went out and got a couple firsts, a couple high end prospects and maybe a couple seconds or thirds out of those two deals or some some range of that i think you can do one of two things you can either use those draft picks bring in some young talent and try to supplement via free agency or use some of those picks trade wise and try to replace those guys and then still have a pick or two or those prospects that can be the young guys filling the gaps coming up over the next couple of years i don't think moving those guys by any means uh means that they're going to be like turn this around quick i still think they're not going to be terrible but they might be middle of the pack for the next two years as they try to transition this yeah where which where they've been the last like three four years right it's kind of like middling they make the playoffs one year but it was only because of the expanded playoff that year that they made it um and now last year terrible start this year terrible start um I have one question for you. Would you rather, if you're uh, Vancouver, are you trading him 
at the deadline or are you waiting for the offseason to trade him? And the only reason I say that is because – Wait, Bo Horvat? Yeah. The only reason I say that is because if you trade him at the deadline, the first-round pick is going to be uh, a lower first-round pick. So you have a chance of getting a higher pick like what um, Ottawa gave up to Chicago, which was a higher first-rounder, right? So that would be the only thing to keep him. But at that point, he's a free agent and he's a UFA. So no, I'm I'm trading him. Uh, honestly, I I would I would rather go the route of the team that <clears throat> that moves a star player like that well ahead of the deadline. I'm trying to move him like while he's before, hot be, before we hit February. Yeah, right. Exactly, Jack. Like he's on fire right now. At any point, he could cool off to what he normally is, which is a pretty darn good player. But it's not what he's doing right now. He's his. What he's doing right now is the contract year going nuts. I want to either get moved or get paid or both. And he's well on his way to doing that. I'm trying to move him before February even hits. So on top of that, too, you think he's for sure not resigning after what? After turning down the deal that they gave him, there was no rumors on what that deal was, but you got to imagine they didn't lowball him. He's well, their captain. There's always been rumors in this locker room that it's, it's the young guys against the older guys. And, um, and it's always been Horvat's group versus Miller's group versus the, Yeah. Yep. I, I, I'd be moving him. I'd be moving him and Besser and maybe, maybe Besser is closer to a deadline. Cause you hope he heats up, but and he's got term. So whoever trades for him right, gets get him, him for two more years. Yeah, I uh, I'm I'm moving Horvat as quick as I can, and I'm hopefully moving Besser by the deadline. And Besser is one that, like you said, you could wait if you don't get the deal you want. You don't have to just get rid of him. You can wait till the draft and move him. And Besser uh, quietly 16 points in 22 games, nothing crazy, just, but still putting up. He just needs to do what he was expected to be, and that's a goal scorer. I know, and only cool. four in 22 games is low. It's not good. Yeah, uh, but we can get off our. This doesn't have to be the Canucks podcast. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, Oilers trade targets. Pierre LeBron on insider training on TSN last night mentioned the Oilers have some interest in some defensive names around the league. John Pling, John Plingberg, Plingberg, <laughs> John John Plinkoberg, John Klingberg and Joel Edmondson were the two names that came up. Two vastly different defensemen. One's a defensive guy, and one's a very offensive guy. The way he said it, though, it made it seem like Kenny Holland's looking for an offensive defenseman. Does that make any sense? <laughs> what are you looking for an offensive defenseman for? You have no defenseman that can play defense. No, their defense is miserable. Uh, Klingberg's got a modified no trade until January 1st. Uh, no, he's got a no trade until January 1st, then it becomes a modified. And this all makes sense based on the report from Elliot Friedman last week that said Pat Verbeek was in town. Uh, well, he followed the Oilers to back-to-back games to scout. So that would be the Klingberg deal that you're looking at. He's looking at who he can take. And my first thought, does he take pool party as a part of this deal? Jesse Pooley RV vastly underperformed has no confidence himself based on him in the media saying I stink wanted. I mean, the Oilers were shopping him before the season. Even They've been started, shopping so. him for two years now. So could that be a throw in, in the deal? But I don't know what they get for Klingberg. Also, it doesn't make sense for the Oilers to go get Klingberg, but it's out there. The Oilers looking for a defenseman. I mean, at that point, do you even want pool party? Like, I don't even know. Cause if you're the ducks and it's a throw in, <laughs> I love that nickname. <laughs> oh, it's the best, <laughs> but, uh, this, they are abysmal. I mean, they just lost to the ducks, which is the worst team in the NHL. 
uh, last night. By, by almost, I mean, it's them in Columbus in a race to be really, really, really bad. Yeah, and Chicago's uh, trying to fight their way in there too. But as of right now, even at, like this is such a Holland trade where it's like we'll give and they'll end up giving up like a prospect that everyone's like kind of waiting to see yeah. and they'll get this veteran like even getting um, who was the other guy? Uh, Edmondson, Edmondson, Joel Edmondson. If you get Montreal, even and, Edmondson is nothing like. Well, and so the caveat in that part part of the rumor was that Montreal is not looking to get rid of Edmondson. Edmondson. So he's going to have to overpay to get him, which is another Kenny Holland staple. Overpay. He's got no cap space already. Um, he's been, it's saying that he wants to try to keep his picks, but you got, did you see McDavid and Dreisaitl leave the uh, rink? Yeah. Flew right by. You got a goalie on this roster. You can't even play. Campbell is making 5 million for another five years or another four years after this. And you can't even put him in the net. Well, how are you going to, How's he also going to fit a minimum of three and a half? Because Klingberg, t- Klingberg is making seven. So if the Ducks eat 50%, you still got to fit three and a half million dollars on the cap. Maybe four. I don't know how this... <laughs> this is just... Like you said, it's pure Kenny Holland. It's the most Kenny Holland idea ever is to go get, like you said, a veteran defenseman. Klingberg's already 30. He's a pure rental. Because yeah. you're not going to sign him, right? How are they going to sign him? It's um, if if I'm an Oiler fan, this is not the answer I'm looking for. I don't think um, everyone. I have one Oiler fan in my life, and he's already turning on Nurse, which is another eight oh, years. Finally, ago. yeah, I know. Finally. finally turning on him, and uh, looking at their D, it's just been uh, abysmal. And well, now, and they got no goalie to save them either. They can't play defense. They have a goalie they can't play, like you said. As I said to start the year and took a bunch of shit for, there's no depth on that team. You lost one of your... Okay, I'll give you... I said it was two superstars and a bunch of other stuff there. Maybe you got two superstars and a really good player in Evander Kane who's out now, and look what's happening. <laughs> team's a disaster. <laughs> two guys... McDavid or Dreisaitl go down. This is a bottom eight team in the NHL. Bottom 10 team in the NHL. Oh yeah, I mean they're the only. They are literally leading the league in scoring, Them one too. and two, and they can't, they can't string together like two straight wins right now. It's unbelievable. And they're playing in the worst division. Yeah, well, losing to the Ducks. <laughs> oh, Kenny, Kenny will do Kenny things. Elsewhere, let's go back to our Flyers real quick. They have officially told GMs around the league that JVR is available. James Van Riemsdyk has missed some time with a finger injury, so he's only played 12 games, but he does have 11 points in those 12 games. That includes five goals. He's pretty darn good on the power play, and he's really good in front of the net. 33-year-old with a $7 million cap hit in the final year of his deal. The $7 million hurts. Philly can eat half the salary, though. This is, in my opinion, a perfect deal for a cup contender. If you can manage to fit it under under the cap. If there's a guy who's making a little bit too much lower down your lineup, you can sacrifice that guy. Because I don't think JVR at this point in his career should be playing first or second line minutes most of the time. He can fill in on your second line. But where he's really dangerous is on the power play stand in front of the net. Yeah, I mean, 
just looking at teams that could use them, uh, Devils could use them if they keep this pace, even though they've lost five straight. We'll, we'll talk about them. Um, Devils could use them. I could see Pittsburgh. He, I could see him in Pittsburgh. I can, um, that's, that's one of the best fits, I think, in in my head. And just visually, I can see him as a Penguin. Uh, yeah, exactly. Even the um, a veteran team like uh, the Islanders could use them. I mean, he's still good at what he does. Like you said, if you... On a playoff team, he's probably third, fourth line minutes, um, but probably on power play one, definitely on power play two. And if he's on your power play two, he's increasing that that squad immensely. He's a 10 to 13, 14 minute guy, a night guy, but that can play PP one. And if he gets hot, he scores. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. So he can go on a string and score in five straight. Yeah. So uh, he's he is a specialist at this point. He's not going to be able to move around. Um, so. He's almost like a Perron where you could see why you have him on the team. It's not because of his speed, um, but it's uh, and another veteran like that. He's been on teams that have been the playoffs. Um, I think he wears the A in Philly or d- did at some point. He probably um, got it taken away. Does Philly yeah. eat salary? <laughs> does Philly eat some of that? Yeah, they'll have to eat some. No one's no one's paying JVR $7 million, and no one who, uh, who, who, who JVR would actually help can fit $7 million. Yeah, and uh, somehow he's a better performer than Hayes because he didn't get benched. <laughs> bench <him. laughs> you know what? You know what might be the best thing for him? Sit him on the bench. Uh, quickly before we're done with this segment, sizzling hot. Joe, we got to talk about your favorite guy last week and Jason Robertson, who has significantly cooled off. But, okay, okay. But you could, you could say that, but he did go on a 19-game point streak. My favorite guy, my new favorite talent in the NHL, 6'7", 220 pound superstar in the making, 25 year old Tage Thompson has been unbelievable this year. 25 goals, 49 points in just 31 games. He's third in the league in points behind the two guys we just mentioned. Only Dreisaitl and McDavid have more. Second in goals, just three goals behind McDavid. He's been unreal. This kid is crazy good and he's now hitting his stride and evening out that O'Reilly trade. St. Louis got their Stanley Cup and their current captain. Buffalo got this huge kid with a lot of talent that hadn't been like, you know, hasn't come to fruition yet. And he's looking like he's hitting his stride now. And that shot is unreal. I mean, he's got a lot of weight to put on it, put behind it with his 6'7, 220 pound frame. He's been great. He's only your favorite because of what he's done for you in fantasy. I'll just say, don't say this week, all year. First of all, he's third in the league in scoring, uh, but he's also just really fun to watch the hands for such a big guy. And like yeah. I said, the shot, he had a, a one timer the other night. It was the night he scored five. He put in four in the first period against the Columbus Blue Jackets. He would have more. They benched him. Yeah. He played three minutes in the four, in the third period. Um, but his one timer was 108 miles an hour <laughs> or 104 or whatever it was. I want to take back before the season when they signed him to that seven was it a seven year deal for seven. I think so. It was a big deal. Uh, it was either six for seven or he's definitely getting seven million. Um, he's worth every penny now, and it's a it's a bargain if he keeps this up. I I am I am very surprised he's this good. He's making uh, it doesn't kick in until next year. So the biggest bargain of a contract this year is Tate Thompson making one point four million. On the cap next year, it goes up to seven point one. But if they didn't re-sign him, he's a if he's a uh, RFA right now. How much more is he getting than than he already has? Yeah, for got, waiting for him next year. 
It was a seven-year deal, so you got seven point one four two times seven. He's probably asking for like nine and a half. <laughs> I mean, you're you're third in the league. In I was going to say, I was going to say eight point five. And he's on, for, on a team that he he's not getting much help, and he's on pace for like fifty-five goals. You know, he's got like twenty-five. That's unbelievable. It's so crazy. He's on pace for more. It, yeah. It's it's unreal this pace, and like I said, I'm I'm very surprised he kept it up. And he might be helping carry uh, Jeff Skinner to another really good season. Yeah. Who Skinner's starting to score again, too, which is great for them. But he's also a part of every Tate Thompson goal because they play together. They play together. He's he's far and away the highest scorer on the team. The next highest goals is 15. And the next highest points to his 49 is 37. Who's got 15? Is that Skinner? Um, Skinner and Tuck both have 15. It's incredible the scoring that this team puts up. Yeah, I know. It's all on my bench in fantasy. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And they just got back above 500, so um, they got the same amount of points as Detroit now. Uh, they do have games in hand, though. Look at the look at the young talent on this roster. Jack Quinn, uh, Jason Paterka, Peyton Krebs, Dylan Cousins, T- Tage Thompson, who we've talked about. Owen they Power. just picked up Yost for free. Owen Power, Casey Middlestat. Uh, no one ever talks about Olafson. He scores 25 every year at least. Darlene's I mean, still young. Yeah, I was just going to say, he missed maybe their best player too, other well, than Tage. Even that Matias Samuelson on their defense has been really good. This team is looking like a team who's going to be an Craig, absolute Craig Anderson. force. Oh, oh, huge. <laughs> he can play another 16 seasons. Easy. <laughs> no, the, we've said it before uh, that this team is young, that we didn't think that they were going to make the playoffs this year, but – they have one of the brightest futures, if not the brightest, in the NHL. I just got a text that said the announcer on the Lions game said he's so stressed out, he needs a sig. <laughs> <laughs> well, they just uh, they just went for it on fourth and goal and didn't get any points. So yeah, I saw that. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with uh, take a look at the NHL standings, see who's hot and who's not. All right, let's take a quick look at the NHL standings recently. Who's hot and who's not? Some teams tumbling. Some teams, you know, water's finding its level. I know we like that that saying. Big fans of that. Yeah, uh, huge fan of that. Let's thing. start with a couple teams who are uh, slowing down a little bit here. The Seattle Kraken. Uh, is it now just a smoldering fire in the Pacific Northwest? This team has gone. Uh, they've lost back-to-back games, just 5-5 five and five over the last 10, slipping to third in the Pacific. And uh, two more games away from being out of a playoff spot altogether. If you look at the standings, they're pretty tight there. Where do they go from here? Can they get back to what they were doing? Doing, or is this team kind of hitting the wall and returning to the team? Maybe we thought they'd be this year. Improved, but not as good as they were playing the first quarter of the season. I think um, I think they're still in good position. They have three games in hand on Edmonton. They got two in hand on Calgary, and they have more points or are tied with those two teams um, in points right now. So they have 35, Edmonton has 35, and Calgary has 32. I think I would be more nervous if those teams were actually playing good hockey. But Calgary's lost five straight, Edmonton has lost two straight, and are they're both playing 500 hockey. Um, and Vancouver's not catching up at any time. So I think they're still... Uh, 
they're still in a, a pretty good spot to be. I think they need to, I think it's paramount for this team to stay in one of the top three spots in the Pacific division. Because if I think, I think if they slide to having to battle for a wild card, they're going to lose out based on teams like Colorado sitting near that wild card spot and St. Louis, who I think can still be right there. I mean, those teams are within four or five points. I think if they slide into a battle for the wild card is where they're going to miss out. I think they got to do whatever they can to stay in that division race. Colorado's not going to sit there. They're they're going to go up. They have to. Right, they're which is good. why I think that's the biggest key for them is don't be don't put yourself in a position if you're the Kraken to have to co- compete with uh, you know, with a Colorado, with a Minnesota, with a Dallas, with a Winnipeg, whoever might be fighting for that metro or not, I'm sorry, not the metro, the Atlantic, no, the central, sorry. Don't be in a position to have to battle with those central teams for a wild card spot. You have to stick to the top of that bad Pacific division. Looking at the uh, just the West wildcard standings right now, um, Seattle's sitting third in the Pacific with 35 points. You got Edmonton in wildcard one with 35, and then Colorado in wildcard two with 34. Uh, of the teams that are not in right now, where do you think that line is uh, where Seattle will actually have to, um, if not worried about what what this other team's doing near the end of the season, this these will be the teams they have to beat out. Of Calgary, St. Louis, Vancouver, Nashville, and I'll probably draw the line there. Wait, what? What? what what's the question, though? So, of the teams, uh, like you're saying, you don't want uh, if you're Seattle, you don't want to drop down to that wild card spot. Who's who not in right now? Should they be scared of, or do you think has a chance to um, catch fire or or push for a playoff spot? Like in in Calgary, in the, which they're out right now. In Blues the Pacific, you're talking, or just the whole conference? just the wild, wild card of the of the West. If I'm Seattle, I'm I'm afraid of all four of those teams. Yeah, I'm afraid of Edmund, all four. Edmonton, Calgary, Colorado, St. Louis. I'm afraid of all four of those teams because they've done it before. They've all been there. They all have some veteran talent, and they all have some super high end talent, which is something this Seattle team doesn't have. It, it reminds me a lot of. I don't want to say necessarily that Vegas team, the first year Vegas team that went to a cup final, because there was some, so a, a couple guys who had a little bit higher end talent on that team, but their middle to bottom six and their essentially all their defensemen have that makeup. It's not the most talented roster. It's not the best looking roster on paper. You're like, eh, they just play really well together. They play a good team game, the great system. And they've been able to put together goals from guys you wouldn't expect that has the the tense tendencies to like fall off a, a game like that. You know, when you don't have superstar talent that you can count on to be pretty much good all season, I think a game like that, teams can figure you out a little bit, especially throughout a season, and especially in a playoff round, teams can figure you out a little bit. And I think you have the propensity to fall out easier when you don't have that superstar talent to rely on. So if I'm them, I'm afraid of all four of those teams sitting there. I think you if you don't keep pace to stay with Vegas and LA who are looking like maybe the class of that division right now, then you're going to have a real tough time and you're going to need a lot of must wins against teams like Edmonton, Colorado, Calgary, and St. Louis. Yeah, they are in a a good position because they have games in hand on the teams right now. So they have, they must keep winning these games in hand. Right. Um, And even if you look, I know we're not talking about them. If you look at the Kings right now, they're kind of, uh, look better than they are. I think they got a minus 10 goal differential and this team made the playoffs last year because they had such solid D 
the only team in the West in a playoff spot that has a minus goal differential. Yeah, and it's like minus by a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah, minus 10. <laughs> yeah, that's going to that's gonna take five games to recover from that. So it, it looks like the Pacific are going to have three teams. Is that what we're thinking? Do you think any of these teams that fall out make the wild card? Well, I think, yeah, no, uh, I don't know. It's it's pretty tight race among those teams. I mean, well, Minnesota's right at the tail end too. They could fall off. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And no, then, I, th- I think it's a tight race, but I think, like I said, if you're Seattle, you just gotta you gotta do your best to stay away from having to beat those teams. Yeah, and you you have to well playing 500, which they are right now, is fine. But you're gonna have to start winning. Uh, like six of 10 games, seven of 10 games in a stretch here or there. Speaking of playing 500 hockey right now, the New Jersey Devils, a team we've talked a lot about this year for how good they've been playing all of a sudden are four, four and two in their last 10. Um, They still sit atop the Metro with 44 points, two spots or two points up on the hurricanes who are gaining ground quickly. And they're four points up on the, the surging penguins who are absolutely on fire. Wow. Penguins have like seven in a row. Yeah. It seems like this devil's team is kind of hitting a wall with teams below them really heating up. Um, That's five straight losses for the devils. They've lost to the Islanders, Rangers and OT, the stars four one, the down and out flyers beat them. And then the Panthers beat them. Not only that, they've given up, given up four or more goals in four of those last five games. The, you know, the, the floodgates have opened defensively and all of a sudden they can't stop anybody. And that plus 30 goal differential is diminishing fast. Yeah. They're coming back down to earth and don't look now, but the Rangers are figuring it out too. They've won six straight. They're seven and two, seven, two and one in their last 10. Um, all these teams, look at all three teams behind them have a collection of three losses in their last 10 games. It's unbelievable. The, the East right now, the top teams in the East are absolutely on fire. I really don't think they have anything to worry about, though. They're still 21 and 8. They're 71, or what is it? Oh, I'm sorry. That's goals. Differential plus 30. They're 11, 1, and 1 away. It, that's that's where they've been, but that's also where I think a stat that doesn't nec- can't necessarily won't keep keep up. The trend won't keep happening necessarily. That they're gonna, Are they really going to go on stretches of only losing twice on the road over – 15 games or whatever. Yeah. Like that's true. tough to do. What's crazy is they're, they're actually worse at home. Yeah. 10, seven and one at home, 11, one and one on the road. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty nuts. I mean, when I just look at this team, I don't think this is the team that looked like they were going to ride their way to a, a division win. No, I think we talked about this and we thought that they would end up a wild card team after it was all said and done anyways. And they might be in a position to do that just by way of being so good early in the season, they might've won themselves a wild card spot in the first quarter of the season. Yeah. And, and the caps are getting healthy too and winning games. How about to the team we just mentioned the penguins riding an absolute hot streak, the ageless penguins, as they've been called recently, because in a, pretty much an elder roster is just unbelievable lately. And this is with losing Chris Letang to a stroke, which we talked about last episode, I think, um, the NHL's hottest win streak, seven straight wins, eight, one, and one in their last 10. And I think it's a team that it's looking like they can make a deep run. Um, only given up two goals or less in five of their last seven in that winning streak. And Sidney Crosby continues to be one of the greatest of all time. 17 goals, 40 points in just 30 games this season. Uh, and that includes nine points in seven games in December. He's carrying this team. 
but altogether they're playing so much better and talk about a goal differential. This team is now plus 20 and their goal differential climbing up the standings and they're on the doorstep. They're knocking on the doorstep of, of climbing Carolina and New Jersey to lead that Metro division. And like you said, to start it, they're looking ageless. You just said Crosby stats. Melkin is a point of game. Uh, Gensel's the younger of the crew, but he is 31 and 26. They, they just they stick to their rubric. These are the guys that are going to get us there, and they keep producing. They just keep riding them. Yeah, it's been unbelievable. And Jari's been good. Yeah, it's uh, it's impressive what this team's doing. As much as you want to hate him and hate on Crosby, I mean, he again, he just continues to prove that he's one of the greatest players of a generation, and he can still carry a team. And it happens this way every time. One of their big guys goes out, and the other two step up and carry this team into the playoffs. And I'm not going to put it past this team to make a run. They could. Jari right now is a nine two one save percentage. That's tied for seventh in the league. He's fourteen three and three. Uh, I mean, that's the goaltending you need if you want to uh, keep pace in in an Eastern Conference that has shown if you have one bad week, aka the Red Wings, your your playoff hopes are dwindle fast. You're in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, but they're uh, backup goaltending too. He's at four and five, four wins, five losses, but his save percentage of point nine one six, like still well, pretty yeah, solid. I, I was gonna say I mentioned that's that they they've all of a sudden just stopped allowing goals. Yeah, they don't get scored on much. The other team is the Category Five Storm taking the NHL by storm, at least the Eastern Conference. Uh, the Hurricanes also on an absolute tear, second place in the Metro, eight zero and two in their last ten games. So points in every single game. About to get Freddie Anderson back. But rookie goaltender uh, Pitor Kachekov has been unbelievable. 8-1-4, three shutouts. He's got a 9-2-3 save percentage and a 2.01 goals against. And well on his way to making a statement for a Calder. Well, you stole my thunder there because I was going to say this rookie goalie's been unbelievable. Uh, coming out of nowhere again, did he play? This is the same kid that played a playoff game last year for them, right? Yeah, he and was he the one didn't came speak in. any English at all. None. Yeah, no, no one on the team could communicate with him except for Svechnikov. Yeah, <laughs> no, he's been unreal. We saw him firsthand this week when he played the Wings. Shut, Shut out. Um, and I think he has been playing well. But that team, if they get a lead, they just collapse. They don't. Or they collapse in the neutral zone. They don't allow you to get chances. In that third period, uh, the Wings were down one, and I thought to myself, "We're going to have maybe three chances." And we, we have maybe to, had three chances. Yeah, you have to score on these three chances. If you don't, there are going to be shots from out far. You can't get traffic in front. They clear the net well. They they allow nothing in the middle of the ice. I know. Absolutely nothing in the middle of the ice. It's amazing. And, and really, a lot of this is on the back of Rod the Bod. Rod Brendamore is an unbelievable coach, and he coaches a system in that, like you said, get us a couple couple goals, get us a lead, and we'll shut everything down from there. Well, my favorite thing about what he does, too, is – it's less of like a, we're just going to wait. We're going to trap you. We're going to wait for you. They're still forechecking the whole game and they're sending too deep uh, on wings defenseman or any team they're playing. So you can't even get out of your zone, let alone get any momentum into the neutral zone. Yeah. It's not that they're, they're hammering the pressure in the offensive zone as much as they are putting enough pressure on the defenseman to cause turnovers before the neutral zone. You just can't get set. You can't get anything going. Um, and it's a recipe for winning a lot of games in the playoffs. Well, like we said, they're one of those teams that's keeping the East running hot. The West has absolutely not been running hot. 
Um, it's a dog fight in the West right now. Let's just quickly go back there. 10 teams sitting at 500 or just over in the last 10 games outside of Dallas, Winnipeg and Minnesota who lead the central and have been really good. All three of those teams really are the class of the West right now. Um, the East has had the hottest teams. Eight teams in the East have won seven of their last 10. Uh, it looks like if you do some math, it looks like about 97 to 98 points to make the playoffs in the East while the West is going to be slightly less than that. You could sneak in with about 94 points in the West, I think, depending how things go down the stretch. In that battle in the West, do we want to take a quick look and see what of those teams in that West battle? I mean, I know we talked about it a little bit, but let's let's make a stand of at least the teams in the wild card or down. Who's the team to make the biggest push going forward? Is it the Avs? Is it the team that we know is a wagon, but is just vastly underperformed this year? Yeah, and the Vavs have been hurt with injury. They've been without Mac for almost two weeks now, I believe. Um, and they're already uh, lost um, players to free agency, so they have no Kadri. And they they lost, um, what's his name, the Russian, the big Russian early. Um, Nichushkin. Nichushkin, real early. So they've been without him. I will say the addition of Arteri Lekkonen was a pretty great addition. He's been really good. He's been good, and uh, this team will figure it out. Uh, I have no doubt about that, that they'll be in the playoffs. And I bet we'll be one of the three seeds of the Central that make it. Um, I think they get out of the wild card. But I I also think that because they got cap space, and I bet they make a trade or two to solidify what they are up the middle and probably add another D like they did last year. Um, Of the teams out of it right now, I don't like any of them. <laughs> well, I mean, if you ask me, if you ask me from beyond Seattle, because I maybe have the most concern about Seattle sticking around there. Um, if you ask me of those teams, I think I, I really think Edmonton and Colorado are in a pretty good spot because I just have no faith that Calgary and St. Louis are any kind of good at all. No, Calgary, I've never seen a team. We talked about it last week. I've and I've watched a couple Calgary games again since then. I've watched a lot of Calgary this year. Never seen a team give up so many high danger chances. I can't remember another team that's given up that many. I mean, it's every other shift. It seems like there's a guy in the slot with no one around getting a, a great A scoring chance. I know, and they're not getting what they need from Huberdeau. Only five goals in 28 games. That's not enough. Um, Lindholm is starting to figure it out now. He's getting up to where he should be a point a game. Uh, Kadri is is doing what he was signed to do, 11 goals. And even Toffoli has 10 goals already. You just can't – if Majapani's came, came back down to earth, uh, they just don't have the firepower that they lost. And we said it. You can't lose two 40-goal scorers. 200 points. Yeah. And expect to be – well, they won the division last year. Now they're just scraping. Even Markstrom's been – he had an unbelievable season last year, which helped them uh, gain that huge lead. He's coming back down to earth, but you, like you said, it's I don't even know if it's his fault. It's the D in front of him or even the system that they're running. Um, how, how hot or how warm is the seat in Calgary right now? I don't, I don't think at all. No, no, they just, they just gave him a, a, a contract extension. I think everyone loves him there. And I think he's the kind of coach that's proven he can navigate around stuff like this. And they're not out of it. No, not, not by anything. And, and and despite how bad they've been defensively, they're only a minus six in goal differential. It's not like they're getting housed every night. No, and they need to – they just need to get on a little stretch here. Like we said earlier when we were talking Seattle, Pacific 
is still up for grabs. Even the Kings aren't having that great of a year. Um, they have games in hand on the Kings. Uh, they have games in hand on Edmonton, which is only three points ahead of them. It probably the line of the wild card, in my opinion, ends after St. Louis. I don't think Vancouver has a chance. Um, they're below 500 as it is right now. But I think every team in the playoffs makes it that are in the playoffs right now. One of the things that's gonna one of the things that's gonna hurt this Calgary team, I think, is look at their record in extra time. Eleven of their thirteen wins are in regulation, which is good to get regulation wins, but they're almost never picking up the extra point in overtime or a shootout. They're one and three in a shootout, and they have six losses in OT or a shootout. So they're I mean they're 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 losing if they go to extra time so sure they're getting that point but that extra point even half of those times would have this team in a in a in a wild card spot if not pushing for one of the top three in the division yeah and you got to assume that the luck will flip if they keep going that they're not going to keep losing all of them um but that being said there's already i was just looking there's like i think five teams that already have six overtime losses yeah so it, really, they if they're going to make the playoffs, they need to cut down on opportunities, and that's what we said. And do you think they can with the defense that they have? Um, and you got to expect that Huberto will figure it out, right? He's just too good not to. Yeah, and I don't, and I don't know that he's. I think it's it's uh, fool's gold to expect him to have seventy five assists and over hundred points again, though. Exactly. And he's not playing with Barkov, who's scoring those goals, or or the line mates in Florida that he had. Um, well, and Calgary's only got a million bucks to spend, so can they figure out a way to get a deal to get maybe a defensive forward or add another defenseman? I don't know. Uh, it remains to be seen. But it's a battle in the West, and that's all we can hope for is a complete battle down the stretch. Well, I have one more thing. Both those trades have yet to really help the teams. Well... Both. Kachuk is outperforming. Kachuk's been unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. But both of them but are in the same wise, spot. Yeah, yes. team-wise, it's not helping. I agree. All right, we'll take a quick break, and we'll come back with one of our favorite times of the year and definitely like it at this time of the year as opposed to the summer that it was. We'll talk about it next. All right, the World Junior Hockey Champion- Championships are back 2023. This starts the day after Christmas, um, usual holiday time, and this is the time when it's so much easier to get into it and care about it. Nothing um, else to watch. Nothing else to watch. Also could be nothing to watch if you don't have NHL Network, but that's beyond the point. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to find some streams. You have YouTube TV, right? And yeah, I, that's true. You guys get it. I don't. Yeah, no free publicity, <laughs> though, Jack. They, they oh, yeah, sorry. Beep that, I'll, beep I'll that. bleep that out. <laughs> Uh, Jack's favorite draft pick from this past season, the Seattle Kraken's fourth overall pick Shane Wright expected to join team Canada at the world juniors. First time playing in the tournament for Shane Wright, which is kind of a weird thing. Typically he would have already been on this team twice, but with pandemic and all that has happened around that, this will be the first time he plays for him. Um, and looks to hopefully dominate for Canada in this tournament after playing pro hockey hasn't been great in pro hockey. He was good in the AHL, but he should be the best player on this team. Well, him well, or Connor. Sorry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, a line of those two guys is pretty unbelievable. And Shane's got the most pr- to prove, uh, even though he's a 
kind of an elder statesman at this point, and you don't really see Canadian first round picks playing this late no. in World Juniors, especially first overall in the whole draft. Uh, well, which he he was projected. I know he fell to four, but right, but and ones who have have NHL experience and AHL experience already. I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna have amazing World Juniors. I think just because everyone is all the hype that he's no good or that he can't make the team. He fell in the draft. Uh, it really, it's a ton of pressure on him. I think, especially for a country that this is their Super Bowl. Can we take a quick second to talk about more about Shane Wright and how this will impact him than Canada in the tournament? Can this change the perspective perception of him? Or do you think people will just write it off as, Oh, well, of course he's going to go play his age group and dominate. I think it definitely is going to – it won't hurt if he right. has a great one. You right, know, right, yeah, uh, yeah. Vice, if he has a terrible one, then he might be cracked. I yeah. was just going to ask that. Like what, are the, what, what goes on if he does terrible? Because if he goes terrible, that means he's probably not sniffing the Seattle lineup the whole season, right? Does that mean he goes back to juniors? Well, has I, he played nine? I don't know. I don't even know why or how they're allowed to bring him to the AHL. But, uh, Conditioning loophole. It is a. I mean, the Wings are using it now with their goaltenders. Um, it's amazing that that just got found out this year, though. <laughs> I know. I. Uh, I don't know what you do with him. I think they should have sent him back already, um, just so he can play. But well, so quickly, some background on this. I did listen to a whole segment of a podcast where they talked about what happens if you send him back to juniors. The idea was that. If Seattle was going to send him back to juniors, this is already in the works. The Kingston Frontenacs are terrible. They're a really bad OHL team, and that's the team he played for and has been did play for the whole time he was in the O. They're really bad, but they host the Calder or they host a Memorial Cup next year. So host Memorial Cup means you're automatically in. Yep. So obviously the ownership wants to have a good team. The idea would be if they send him back to juniors, they would already have a trade worked out to move him to a contender in the OHL which would be a massive trade, one of the biggest trades the OHL has seen because of what would go the other way. And now for some background for people who don't know much about junior hockey, the CHL, all three of those leagues, the WHL, the QMJHL, and the OHL, when trades happen in that league, they're enormous. They're like 15 parts going either way. They trade a superstar. You get like four first-round picks, two seconds, two players, and four-thirds. Like it's crazy. So the trade could make uh, the Kingston team really good for next year, which is what they want to do hosting a Memorial Cup. And then Shane Wright would get to go to a good team, play with good players, have a chance to go to the Memorial Cup this year and win it all. So it'd be a good scenario for both teams. And Seattle would mandate that if they were going to send him back to the, the OHL. That he had they to would play say, on a good team. Yeah, where is my where is my player going? What team is he going to? What role is he going to play on that team? And is it a good team that, that has a chance to go win a, a Memorial Cup? Because they want him playing good games, not dominating on a bad team. I think uh, – so with all that being said, uh, is um, is your opinion that that's the route that ends up happening? Or I can think, he save his NHL career by having a great World Junior? I mean, I does see, I don't know that – I don't know if save is the right word. No, but I agree, but I think I think I agree with you. It salvage can, the season, I it should can say. Only hurt, this, can only, this can only hurt him as far as what people think of him. If he has a really bad uh, tournament, which I 
think there's a very slim chance he has a really bad tournament. That'll really hurt him and hurt him in the perception of just of mentally the media and the league and everything. However, if he's really good in this tournament and Canada wins it, or they make a long run. And even if he's like, you know, he's player of the tournament or whatever, I don't know that that changes the perception of him, but personally for him, it gives him a ton of confidence and it could make him a lot better. I don't think that he can help himself in the, in the perception of, of the public eye, because I think, People look at it and say, oh, well, you should dominate this tournament. I think I think of the, all the players entering this tournament, he's probably has the most to gain and lose, like we were saying. Um, but just as a mental state, he if he performs well here, he could probably start getting out of this jam or this hole that he's in where he's he's lost confidence or at least it seems like it. Well, I think that's what happened when he went down to the AHL for that conditioning stint and he played really, really well. And he came up and scored against the Canadians of all teams yes. right away. You could see the confidence. He, he shot in a place that he maybe was a little hesitant to shoot from. This will, this can only gain confidence for him as long as he plays good. We'll see what happens uh, elsewhere. Another high draft pick that we kind of uh, question the, the usage of Dylan Gunther coyotes, rookie ninth overall, I believe he was ninth overall pick. Um, we talked about him again. They they put him in the press box. You bring an 18, 19 year old up and you put him first in the first game. Box. They put him in the press box, right? Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, he's gonna head over and play for Canada as well. That being said, this Canadian team looks pretty good as they always do. The question mark for this team looks like it's gonna be in the net and maybe on the back end. Well, Canada always has scoring, they always have Their forwards are always dominant, and they mostly always have first rounders playing for them, right? So, uh this team will be able to score and it will be, can they outscore teams and the recipe for beating them in the past is just playing D playing defense or have a three, two or have a better goalie than them. Yep. Yep. Which takes us into team USA. They announced the roster, uh, as where Canada's question mark might be goaltending. The U S also has some question marks there, but we'll see. Maybe one of these kids shows up and turns into a superstar, um, and really has a coming out party. They're going in with two undrafted goalies and a 2023 eligible goaltender. All goaltender, all goaltenders for this U.S. team are Michigan natives. Interesting to see that. Huh. Um, the 2023 draft eligible goalie is Trey Augustine, 6'1", 17-year-old goalie. He's playing for the U.S. Development Program in Ann Arbor. He's a Michigan State commit, so there's that. Take that for you know what it's worth. He didn't go to Michigan. Um, but he'll likely compete for the starting job with 19-year-old Colorado College goalie Caden uh um, Bareko. Um, he, he, okay. So first of all, there's videos of him at the U S practice making unbelievable saves, Re- us, really yeah. athletic goalie. He looks really good, but you don't know what any of these guys really are. It's not like they play for the development team is always really good, but the talent necessarily isn't considered the best talent that they play besides when they play the colleges, Colorado college necessarily isn't a dominant college in D one. So he, so you know, Caden doesn't necessarily play for a dominant team. Um, and then the third goalie on the roster plays in Saginaw. So a good league, um, but not necessarily a dominant goal t- goaltender at Andrew Oki. So it's, you got a, three question marks in goal. We'll see who steps up. Um, but you hope that one of them can, can, like I said, have their, their coming out party at this tournament. Yeah. And you need, uh, you need your veterans coming back, uh, veterans, your your older your returnees <laughs> yeah your returnees coming back in the tournament to be studs and that, that's Hughes who's probably going to wear the C 
Um, oh, and, he, he for sure is. He's there. He's the leader of that team. Yeah, and you got Luke Savage. Hughes, that is. Yeah, Luke Hughes, the youngest of the Hughes brothers, um, and the tallest somehow. Um, and you got Red Savage, who's probably going to wear the C. But the player that is most interesting that I think we're getting the first look at is another University of Michigan player, Dylan Duke, who was, uh, I think, a fourth-round pick yeah. for Tampa, and he's been lighting it up uh, for the Wolverines so far this season. Um, smaller body, uh, but USA is usually one of the fastest teams in uh, the tournament, and that's how they have developed players. We usually have the best skaters or the fastest of the teams, um, but we always are undersized. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, it seems. Well, you brought you brought me right to right to my first point here. Um, size was not a mandate for this U.S. team. All but one of their defensemen stands at six feet or under, and there's only one six footer. Everyone else is under six feet, and then there's Luke Hughes at six two. So it's a very undersized defense, but they look to be a fast, super aggressive puck moving defensive core that can kind of jump up in the play and, and make things happen that way. Now size doesn't always necessarily mean you're good defensively, but this team's got to be able to move the puck, advance the puck, but also they got to be able to play some defense because you have question marks in goal. So we'll see how that goes. But like you said, size is never a thing. This U S team really goes for this should be the fastest team in the tournament. Yeah. I've, I've heard that size doesn't matter. So, um, (laughs) I think, uh, like we said, this team will be, uh, they'll play the college game like they normally do, um, which is normally uh, hard forechecking, a hitting game, a more physical game, and they, they'll use their speed, uh, which they normally use. It's, it's really going to be the opposite. I think, I think the United States will have a good system and will play good D. Where scoring is going to come from on this team is maybe a question mark, because I think if I'm looking at it right now, there's only three players that were drafted in the first round that are forwards on this team. So with that being said, you're going to have to find scoring somewhere. And uh, your biggest name is probably Logan Cooley, who went third overall to Phoenix this year or Arizona. Someone pronounce it Logan instead of Lugan, but that's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I like Lugan. <laughs> um but Cooley's probably going to be your score along with Duke. Um, well, and I think that's where maybe a, a, an aggressive, fast. <laughs> that's where an aggressive, fast, puck moving defense. Maybe some of that scoring is supplemented by your defense. Maybe your defense becomes part of your score, your scoring touch there. Yeah, and this tournament always. Well, I shouldn't say always, but majority comes down to is your special teams clicking and that's can you kill penalties and can you score on the power play usually teams that win it are great on the power play uh surprise cut as uh as as red wing fans and we skew a little bit michigan and and red wings here uh red wings draft pick 2022 you or world junior standout on this on this defensive core um he was one of the top defensemen last last uh tournament uh shy booyam Late cut. He was the last scratch off this roster, and by all accounts, it's because of his skating. Now, you don't like to hear that as a Red Wing fan, as a draft pick. However, that really does show that they did put, you know, because he's a little bit bigger of a guy. He's over six feet. Um, they did put a lot of emphasis on emphasis on the skating, and if a guy like that, who was a staple on this defense last year, didn't make the team, then there really is a, a, a transition, at least defensively, towards a more of a puck-moving uh, defensive core, because he also doesn't provide much offense. 
No, that's uh, yeah, that's something you don't want to hear by any prospect that uh, their skating is weak. But I wonder, um, I wonder also with him being um, a returning player, or like, did he not fit in with left and right on the D? Because they he is the size they would have needed yep. uh, on the defensive side. So it is strange that he did get cut because by all accounts, everyone was shocked. Uh, at least like Red Wing beat writers and even people that only follow U.S. hockey were shocked that um, because he was practicing with them and missing college games. Yeah. So and he was he was at camp. I mean, he 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 was already sacrificing, like you said, college to be to be there. So a surprising late cut uh, just before we get into our very fast predictions. You could call this team pretty much Team Michigan if you wanted to. Ten of the 25 players on the initial roster either are born in Michigan and from Michigan or play on the University of Michigan. It's a pretty Michigan-laden roster. It is pretty crazy. And uh, with the development camp being right in Michigan, too, uh, everyone should be pretty familiar with the with each other. Yeah, a lot of these kids in your own backyard. Yeah, so um, let's hope that that familiar familiarity you got it <laughs> lugan it was better than lugan lugan uh, <laughs> um helps uh this team because that is another main thing when you assemble these teams can they play together right. and that's been um like canada's brought always brings the most talent but can they play together is the question always they have to take the first four games of the tournament to try to gel and figure each other to out to figure it out so um, I do like, uh, that you don't see Canada unless you go to the medal rounds or in the knockout rounds. So that's a good thing. Um, yeah, cause having to beat that team twice is always an issue. Yeah. And we can go right into predictions now. Um, who's your final four, I guess we could say, and then who wins? And maybe that's an easy question to ask. Um, Final four wise, but uh, who's your winner? I think I'm gonna have to go Canada. All right, Jack's gonna go first. Canada, <laughs> Canada outright to win it. <laughs> yep, it'll be uh, Canada, Sweden, U.S., and Finland. Yeah, that's probably what everyone is thinking too, right? Um, is there anyone that can surprise? Can a can a Czech team surprise? Can the the Swiss? Who the Swiss have kind of become the team to pull off a couple upsets at least the tournament i don't know that they make you know deep runs but they're at least the team that will surprise a team or two in this tournament and they're almost guaranteed to do it every year at least once yeah and uh germany doesn't have the firepower that they've had in the past where they have high draft picks like moritz or uh Struza playing so it'll be interesting to see uh is it um germany again because they they were at least at the point where they're beating teams where they're, they're separating themselves from the Latvias or um, you also got to look at though. Do they have the talent that was the, the talent that was carrying them are the guys who now are dominant NHL players, the exactly. Dreisaitos, the, the ciders of the world. I don't know if they have one of those coming up. I don't know if the German roster make up enough to, to say that. Yes. Cause the other team I look at in that. So the two groups are Canada, Sweden, uh, Czechia, Germany, and Austria. I think the team not named Sweden or Canada there is is the Czechs that you have to look at. And the other group being the United States, Finland, Switzerland, Slovakia, and Latvia. I think that group is a little bit more, there's a, there's a little bit more shakeup could happen with Slovakia and Switzerland being teams that can de- absolutely win games in this tournament. 
Um, the Canada group, I think if Germany's not what maybe they've been able to surprise the last couple of years, if they're not, not that this year, it's a three team race. Yeah, I would say that too. And, um, without Russia being in it this year, uh, Olympic athletes of Russia. Yeah. Without the Olympic athletes of Russia, world, being world in, junior athletes of Russia <laughs> with them, um, not being, uh, invited, uh, it really makes, uh, a four team race, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. But yeah, I, I mean, agree that, or you would expect that that Jack named. Yes. I would agree if, if there was a team, it probably is the Swiss that, um, I say beats a team they shouldn't. Um, but Slovakia does that every now and then too. Yeah. Uh, if I'm going to pick four, it's probably the same four. And I do think Canada wins. A Canada U S final. I mean, that would be great. Um, so but if that's the case, then USA would win. So, well, yeah, I, I want. I just want to add another uh, win to the back of my T-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I do have one I'm more go, small prediction. I would. I would love for it to be Canada US, and I'm just gonna homer it up. I, US is winning the gold. Oh, I like oh, it. Wow, homer it up. All right, Jack. What were you? What was your last uh, thing you said? Sorry. I think uh, Gunther outperformed Shane Wright. Whoa. <laughs> I mean, that is uh, not out of any. Uh, um, I'm going to restart that. <laughs> <laughs> that is That's definitely that is a possibility. Not a, not a wild production. <laughs> <laughs> um, Gunther is extremely talented. Uh, so, and a goal scorer. Um, he could easily outperform, right? Uh, but they just have so much. And they also have maybe the next McDavid on their team, which isn't going to hurt. <laughs> All right, well, that'll do it for episode 16. It's a Donnybrook. Once again, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at It's a Donnybrook. We'll talk to you next time.